This is the Data Privacy Detective, and today we're going to talk about contact tracing apps. And we couldn't have a better person to talk about it with us than Kelly Dixon. Kelly, uh, good evening where I am, and it's, I think, good morning where, where you are in Australia. That's right, Joe. It is a morning for me. It's good to speak with you. <laughs> well, it's great to talk with you. We're going to talk about the COVID Safe app. What is that? So the COVID Safe app is the tracing app that has been introduced here in Australia in relation to the some of the measures that our government is taking to address the COVID pandemic. Uh, and I, I sometimes feel, you know, everyone's been talking about COVID for so long now that maybe people are feeling a little bit sick of it. Um, well, but we all get weary, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> we, <yes>. we certainly <laughs> do. It, it's been a, a very strange year, I think, for everybody. Um, but it has really been very interesting here in Australia to watch the development of the COVID Safe app and the way that it has been used and rolled out. And uh, I think for, for those of us who are very interested in privacy matters, just how here in Australia, the COVID Safe app has really awakened individuals here to more privacy matters as well. So, Well, and this is a great example, isn't it, of where you can see privacy, people are, don't want to give away their medical information. They don't want to say, hey, I'm sick or I'm not sick or I have cancer or whatever it is. And yet, unless, unless data like that is shared, how can we do public health? So you have both sides here. You, you have a great, and this is a perfect example because the whole idea, am I right, Kelly, is with, with a contact tracing app, this is so if you're encountering someone who has tested positive for the COVID virus, you might immediately get notice, whoops, you've encountered this person for enough time that you ought to take action. You either ought to self-quarantine or, or do something. So the purpose of a contract contact tracing is perfectly a good idea, I'm sure, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I think that in Australia, speaking very, very generally, of course, yeah. uh, we have traditionally been fairly relaxed, I think would be a way to say it in relation to privacy matters. You know, traditionally, uh, we've had privacy laws for quite a long time, but they haven't really been championed and they haven't been an issue that individual citizens have been overly concerned about. And so, it's been very interesting to see over the course of March, April, May, and as we've continued through this year, that this issue about people's sensitive information, their health information, uh, being captured through their smartphone devices and then being shared with the government and being shared with other organisations for this public health purpose, has been a very interesting shift, I think, for individuals. Um, and it certainly has been the case that there have been a lot of individuals who, as you say, have been quite happy to trade some of their privacy for this public health benefit of monitoring where hotspots are or where the, uh, a breakout of infection is. Um, but it's it's been interesting as well to also see that now that we're getting used to this whole COVID way of life these days, just how perceptions are changing as well in relation to whether people are still prepared to, to provide that information for the public good. Right. Well, Kelly, you're a principal lawyer with the great Australian firm of 
of McPherson Kelly and uh, your practice is a broad one. I know you cover uh, intellectual property and trade with a, with a focus on data privacy. And so let's plunge into this. Now, now for our listeners, uh, Australia has uh, what, about 25 million people living within yes. the country. It's a very large country, 25 million people. And this, this app is one I believe your prime minister has very much supported. It's, it's sort of a government promoted and maybe owned app, as I understand it. Absolutely. Uh, so have all 25 million signed up and everybody is, uh, or not? <laughs> well, you, you talk about Australia, definitely a, a very large country, a relatively small population when compared with a, a lot of other countries that are dealing with far bigger numbers of COVID infection than we have here. Uh, but yes, our COVID Safe app was developed and is very much championed by our federal government. Um, so it has been rolled out across all of Australia. The way that it has worked and its acceptance has been mixed. Um, I remember thinking back to when it was first rolled out. You know, there always will be the critics of these types of apps and, and tracing applications. Uh, but I would say that here in Australia, anecdotally, there wasn't a lot of pushback. You know, there, there were some people who were very sceptical about the app and who were very concerned about privacy. And certainly uh, there, were, there were pockets of industry and uh, the, the tech industry in particular who raised concerns about the manner in which the app was operating and who the information was being shared with. Not um, the purpose, but how it was actually working. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, mm -hmm. and uh, just what sort of constraints were being built into the app itself in relation to how the data is collected, where it is stored, who it is shared with, and all of those sorts of things. Um, well, let's, but I, let's I, get into some of these, Kelly. If I may, so let me understand. Uh, to, to, to register for it, that doesn't cost anything. People can nope. just sign up nope. for it. Okay. And what, what do they have to give their name? Uh, do they have to give their name out? Uh, well, the, the app for us, if we take a step back, has been modelled yep. on uh, the, the Singapore experience, really. So when our government was developing the app, they looked mostly to Singapore in relation to that. Um, and it is entirely voluntary to download the app. And uh, mm -hmm. so here, in fact, we've had about nearly 7 million users so who have downloaded the app. of the population, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Now, originally, our government was really hoping for about a 40% take-up of the app. So it, it definitely hasn't achieved that. Um, but we're up to about 7 million people who have done that. Um, interestingly, uh, there is some research that would suggest that people's desire and willingness to download the app is a bit correlated with their voting preference. Well, we won't get into politics. <laughs> Certainly in the United so, States, we have total unanimity on everything. You know. <laughs> but I think that's a, you know, sort I'm of an, an interesting concept, you know. Well, it's um, an interesting concept, yeah. I mean, Australia is a very freedom-loving country. Yet, uh, absolutely. So and yet the, the division quarter of the is population strange. has signed up for this, but let, let's just play it through. So uh, to go on it, then you give up what's your name, your mobile number. It works off iPhones or smartphones, right? Smartphones, yes. Uh, and so... Yes, so the way that it works is, uh, first of all, when you sign up, um, you provide some minimal information uh, in mm -hmm. relation to basically, um, yeah, your, your postcode um, and, and those sorts of things. What it actually does in the beginning is that it operates via a Bluetooth handshake. So it is not GPS linked like some of the other apps around the world are. 
okay. and it is intended just to run in the background uh, and by monitoring the active app on other people's smartphones when you are within about a one and a half metre contact zone with yeah, them. About six feet in the United States, something like correct. that. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And mm -hmm. for 15 minutes. So what it does, it then records the date, the time, the distance. Now that and must mean both phones have to be working, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. So that's um, so part of the key here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so and we'll talk about that as well because there've there've mm -hmm. been some concerns about that. Uh, but once that data has been collected, uh, if there was then to be an active COVID case, the app requires or asks the individual to consent to their information being uploaded Do to a central to? store. They, join they the don't system. have to. So somebody tests positive, they do not have to say, hey, I've test positive. They do not have to, it's entirely voluntary. Uh, so then if they do that, then it's uploaded to this central store and the government and our health officials can use that information for the purpose of their contact tracing. Now the store is in the cloud, is it? Correct. Yes. Yeah, so you have data flowing and uh, moving. So has there been some concern about how hack proof it is or not, this sort of thing? Yeah, there, there has been now. I mean, when this originally was introduced, I think the concerns were more so about was this app tracking location data? Uh, and that was overcome relatively easily because the of the way no. it's been, correct. So that's yeah. the way it's been set up, overcomes that. There were also concerns from a privacy perspective about how long the information is being kept. How long uh, can it be kept? So uh, in, in most cases, it's on a rolling 21 day basis. Based so on what, the virus uh, incubation period, basically. Correct. Plus, plus so, a week or so, yeah. That's right. So it hasn't, uh, it, it's not kept indefinitely. Um, but of course, you know, with these sorts of things, uh, I think the concern is that there's always an ability that this can be abused or that information can be misused. Um, yeah. So there has also been some concerns about just how secure the data actually is being stored in the cloud, um, whether there are other industry interested parties who might have access to the information. Um, there has been some discussion and concerns about uh, Amazon, for example, um, being involved in the, the platform and the facilitation of it here. So there have been those sorts of concerns. It, it's been a, a bit of a difference though as well, how this has been used in various states within Australia as well. well you're a federal system. So the states, uh, New South Wales, as it may have a different approach from say Victoria. Correct, and I'm I'm located in Victoria. And as your listeners would probably uh, be the well aware city of-, of Melbourne. Yes, well, it's the great locked down city of Melbourne <laughs> at the moment, yeah. as as we are in a, yeah, we're in a, uh, we're, well, we're coming out, we're, we're optimistic that we've uh, nearly dealt with our second wave. Um, but it certainly is the case that the COVID app has been used with mixed reviews and to varying degrees across all of Australia, but it hasn't been the only contact tracing method as well. So each of the states have also done some manual contact tracing as well. And maybe that's been a little bit easier to do because of our smaller population and our relatively smaller number mm -hmm. of cases. Yeah. Uh, but even within that, for example, New South Wales, by all accounts, has done a, a very good job in relation to manual contact tracing. And that hasn't really been the case here in Victoria. 
And I think uh, under the law, the uh, Minister of Health could actually keep the information longer than 21 days for public health purposes, I assume. Is that right? That's, that's right. So the balance that appears to try to have been struck is this balance of uh, public confidence, I guess, in that the information is deleted on a rolling basis. But of course, mm -hmm. for these public health reasons, it could be kept for longer. Um, those dates and deadlines are enshrined in legislation. So that was another you have a reason. a specific to... law around the, uh, the, the COVID Safe app. Correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, and in relation to how the information is stored, what it can be used for, and all of those sorts of things. So I think that that was introduced to try to provide some more of this public confidence in relation to, you know, feeling free to be able to provide this information to help get our case numbers down. Uh, in what has been very unusual and, you know, everybody says unprecedented times, um, but it certainly has been a, a big shift in the way that individuals here view their privacy and uh, what they are prepared to give up for us to all be able to get back to work or to get back to a restaurant or a cafe. Well, we all have work to do and I think you shared some polling data, I think it's from September of 2020, that 57% of the public is concerned about the security involved, but only 41% were confident that the government would actually protect the privacy of data collected. So you see this in other yes. countries too, but we're all a little on edge about uh, giving up our privacy, although we do it a lot, don't we? For convenience well, uh, yeah. and other purposes. We certainly do it for convenience. And, you know, that's uh, to enable us to get our home deliveries, you know, our online shopping delivered to us or to get better deals that are uh, linked to where we live or the interests that we have. Um, it, it sort of was in the, the beginning here, the feeling was that even though there were pockets of distrust or, um, you know, uh, some caution in relation to how this app would work, it didn't still though result in people protesting down the street about their privacy concerns you know they, yeah, they appeared you haven't in the had paper. the mask no mask debate we've had in the united states so much then uh, not to any sort of level that i think you have had you know yeah. um we and certainly with some of the other issues that have been going on around the world during this pandemic as well australia has had some protests and rallies and things like that but typically yeah, we're fairly laid back uh, about these sorts of things. So it, it has been very interesting to watch people becoming more aware of their rights, their community obligations, uh, and, and how those two intersect in circumstances where, you know, we've been in this lockdown now, particularly in Melbourne, for nine weeks or so, a very hard lockdown. And it's interesting to see how sentiment is changing now that people are just getting very fed up and tired with being at home. Well, we all hope for a vaccine, but to stay with privacy, this is one of those great examples. I assume that the uh, the developers of the app were on our, as much of a rush basis as vaccine people uh, are, and somehow it got out there. I assume, uh, tell me if it's right, uh, Kelly, there, there have been some bugs that then get fixed, but all these things create some issues, don't they, with the confidence level of would, would sharing your medical information for an obviously good purpose be a good idea or not? Do you, do you think the public oh. confidence is on the increase? And is that kind of maybe a hidden 
benefit, not that there's anything great about a virus pandemic, but maybe it's a benefit that we're learning how to share our, our essential information for good purposes, but, but we all learn how to do it in a way that still respects our privacy. Do you think that might be a silver lining in this dark cloud? Look, I think that there is a silver lining in relation to that. Um, you know, there, there has been in amongst the community, there's been a, a great level of camaraderie and support, you know, a, a real community feeling in relation to we're all in this together. We've got to help our neighbour. You know, this isn't just about us. This is about all of us getting through. Um, but I, I don't think that there has been an increase in consumer confidence in relation to the use of the app. And I think, you know, more recently, when we talk about July, August, September uh, here in Australia, there hasn't been a continuing uptake of the app because, as, as you say, it was developed like everywhere in a very rushed manner. Of course, it had bugs. Of course, there were some fixes that needed to be made. But what they have been finding here, particularly with our COVID Safe app, is that it hasn't been as effective or as accurate as what they had originally hoped. So, mm. for example, uh, there's been a, some testing done that would indicate that when the app is just running in the background on the smartphone, that it might not be working. So well, it people, could affect battery storage and uh, oh, absolutely. There's there's been a lot of yeah. a lot of concern about battery storage and and functionality as well. Uh, but you know, people were were going out with the app running in the background on their phone as we were encouraged to do to yeah. find out that it perhaps has not been effective or it wasn't making those Bluetooth links or that it was creating some false positive contacts, you know? Um, yeah. So I think that here in Australia, the app has started to fade away a little bit into the background because of those major concerns um, where people are sort of saying, okay, well, we had privacy concerns about this app. We decided to go with the government on this. You know, we, we put those concerns aside for the public benefit. And yet now you're telling us it hasn't had the effect that you wanted it to have. Um, so I think that there has been a level of frustration about that. Do you think though that, uh, that this might be a way to acquaint uh, the Australian public with the benefits of providing a lot more information about one's medical situation than we used to do it. France has a very developed system where if you're in a car accident, the, the emergency room you go to might already have your health records. They're very far yes. along on this. Do you think we're likely to see this one when COVID gets behind us and we're, maybe it's never behind, but we have a vaccine and we don't, we're not locked down the way we are. But despite that, do you see this growing or is this gonna be one where the Australians will say, I never wanna go through this again? Are we on to something? Yeah, I think that anecdotally speaking from, from my experience and uh, some of the, the privacy issues that have been raised in Australia, I have a feeling that the Australian public will be fairly slow to adopt any of those wider types of privacy measures. Um, and, you know, we're, we're certainly not at the level uh, where other countries, you know, like um, Israel and, and other countries that are very aware of who's got access to their information and express very strong views about that. A, a couple of years ago, Australia did implement an e-health system. Uh, 
which was uh, an electronic ability to be able to share all of your health information with multiple healthcare providers. So, you know, it is the case and it probably is uh, in some respects a limitation in relation to our healthcare here that your health records are held by individually by your treating doctor for this particular ailment versus this particular one. And they're hasn't traditionally been a central store for your health information for these types of issues that you mentioned, you know, in an emergency, getting access to, to all of your health information in one spot. So uh, a few years ago, uh, one of those platforms was introduced in Australia and it was met with a lot of resistance. Yeah, yeah. Largely from the perspective that the, the website and the application that was being used was not trusted and crashed and uh, it was very difficult and unwieldy to use. So I don't know, maybe, maybe this ability and, and, you know, as technology develops so quickly as it does, maybe the experience that the Australian public have had with the ease of using the COVID safe app might mean that we're more willing to retry the e-health system on a, a broader scale in the future. Um, but I, I think that there is, you know, some, some long held public distrust in relation to that. Well, maybe we'll know in a, a year or so, how many lives were saved through contact tracing. I'm sure somebody's trying to figure that out right now. And exactly nothing else. This is one of those examples where the public is probably more aware than ever of the balance between privacy and the importance of sharing information that we might not instinctively want to share. Any concluding thoughts about the COVID Safe App experience? Well, you know, I, I think that here in Australia, uh, ours has been a mixed bag in relation to, to how this has worked. And certainly as we move forward into what our government is calling our COVID normal, this issue about privacy disclosure is going to remain on the radar for us. Um, you know, when businesses begin to open back up, and I am talking about particularly here in Victoria, at the moment, industry is largely shut. Um, so it's not like mm -hmm. that in other states in Australia at the moment, but it is the case as we move forward and as business starts to reopen, that it will, at least for a while, who knows for how long, be quite commonplace that when you go to a restaurant, you're going to have to provide your name and your phone number. And when you go and visit a hospital or an aged care facility, you're going to have to have your temperature taken at the front door before you go in. So um, this is going to be something that we will get used to. Whether us getting used to it or not is actually a good thing or whether it just makes us a little bit more complacent um, will remain to be seen. Uh, but certainly I think it's been great that all of a sudden now individuals are thinking about their privacy and the role that they've got to play in relation to not only protecting their data, but also protecting and caring for their neighbours and the people in their community. So I think from my perspective, what I'm going to be very interested to see from now on is how this contact tracing and the collection of data stays in our environment on a day-to-day -day basis, but how it changes as well. You know, for us here at the moment, it's going to be very paper-based, very manual. Write down your phone number and your name when you get to a restaurant. 
but for example, I was speaking to my sister last night and she lives in Malaysia. And she said that they are now downloading like QR codes and apps when they go to a restaurant where they just scan it. And they're feeling a lot more comfortable that they're not writing their name down in a book. So, you know, that, that will raise some other issues, I guess, in relation to where that data is stored and who has access to it. Um, but I, I think there's opportunities as well in relation to just how we make this easy for people to integrate into day-to-day -day life. And ultimately, maybe global one, the quick story, one of my English friends uh, was in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, not so long ago, and at the, at the Starbucks, uh, they took his order and then said, what's your name? He said, why do you need my name? You know, very, we all have to learn about these cultural differences across the world. Well, Kelly, yeah, thank you very much for understanding Australia's approach to contact tracing apps and uh, how it's going. I really appreciate it. And as always, I will sign off by reminding all of our listeners, remember that protecting your personal data begins with you. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Joe.